Hello there, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast via the Pop Break. Um, and we are actually now joining you from Pop Break TV, the, the new channel for all of Pop Break's TV-related podcasts. So uh, happy to join you on this new feed, and hopefully you found it okay. Um, I am joined, as usual, by my brother Aaron. Hey. And I am Josh Onecki, and today we are talking about the 15th anniversary of the series finale of Jackie Chan Adventures, uh, which might be one of our uh, deeper cuts, along with maybe uh, our Road to, El- Road to El Dorado episode. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but hard to find uh, anniversaries for, for summer TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. This took a long time for me to find, just like scrolling through, like, what had an anniversary in July? Uh, nothing. Well, this, this show nothing. also had an anniversary for, I think in September was when the first episode aired in 2000. True. Yeah, so I guess we could have also waited for September. But because there was nothing really in July, uh, this is the one that I uh, that I recommended. So uh, that's what we're talking about today. So, um, Aaron, if people have forgotten what Jackie Chan Adventures is, uh, I'm assuming they can get some clue from it because it has Jackie Chan's name in it. Uh, but would you mind giving people just like a general overview of what the series is about? Okay. So it's very loosely based on Jackie Chan. Um, Jackie Chan is a character. It's not actually voice, not voiced by Jackie Chan, but sorting, you know, his fighting style, his personality is sort of like Jackie Chan, um, he's an archaeologist who finds all these artifacts that usually have mystical properties. Um, he stops the bad guys from collecting them and usually, you know, either taking over the world or summoning some sort of, you know, demon or whatever. Uh, he usually has some basis in Chinese or other Asian cultures. Yeah, and I, I think that's a the good gist of it. And I, I think that was one thing... Um, it's connection to Jackie Chan that always confused me a little bit. Um, I think for the longest time, I thought that Jackie Chan um, was voicing his animated character, but it's it's not him. It's it's clearly uh, not him. It's clearly not him. But when I was younger, I was not paying attention, I guess. Um, I should say that we were what? How old were we when this was on? We would have been when it first started, we would have been. Um, about eight. Yeah. Yeah, so we were pretty young and, uh, yeah, not paying attention. But yeah, clearly, clearly it's not him because one of the things that they always do at the end of the episode is have a little segment with the the real Jackie Chan, um, the actor, and just have kind of fan questions for him. That didn't but stop yeah. them from crediting him first. Well, they're using his likeness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he's like the name that's attached to this. Right. Yeah, I do think it's it's fun that they do include his name and um, do feature him. It reminds me of all those shows from um, like the early years in TV where like just certain actors would have a show named after them. Oh, yeah. Like uh... like like the Mary Tyler Moore show and things like that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if that's what they were going for here, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. I feel like that's not something we see much anymore of. You still see it occasionally. True. Like apparently Zac Efron just has his own show and I think his name's in it. But this is not a Zac Efron podcast. Um, but yeah, so we we're going to talk a little bit about the, the series finale, although as we, we found out, it's a little confusing, right? Because... The final episode is technically not the series finale. No, and I don't know who determines all of these things when they're airing, but so I was reading the end of season five was a two-parter, and they wanted it to air the same week or the same day, so... 
um, they had another episode that they produced that got pushed to like the next week or the week after. So even though that one chronologically in the story is takes place earlier, it was aired later. Right. Which I, I mean, I don't think is completely unique. Um, I remember looking at like some of the orders of like some other shows, I think like either like the Batman the animated series or Teen Titans mm. and some of their uh, like production numbers of the episodes don't match the uh, what episode they are um, on like the DVD. Yeah, those are good examples. I, I had also um, looked at a few of those and um, I it's kind of strange, but I guess it works because. I mean, technically, the the events of the the final episode could have taken place at any point in the season. Um, I know I didn't watch it, but I, from what I've read about it, that is it sounds like it could have gone anywhere. Well, they, they there is a, a little chronological inconsistency. I watched the episode um, and they just uh, but we'll, we'll get into a, a little later. OK, yeah, but. Before that, uh, let's talk about like the actual series finale, even though things that came out in June. But this is our podcast. We'll do it the way we want. Dang it. Um, so the the finale of the series is all about um, a evil demon dragon named Drago. Drago. Is this I, Rocky? I, would, I, would say, I can't remember how it's pronounced. Um, I'm going to go with Drago, but I could be totally wrong. Um, who was using um, the eight demon chi to uh, summon all these other demon dragon creatures to Earth and pretty much destroy the Earth. And it's up to uh, Jackie Chan, the archaeologist, um, and his team to stop uh, Drago. So, Aaron, just going in for just big picture, did you like the, the series finale? Well, I'm going to be honest, and I before we started this podcast, I said I didn't remember a lot of this season. Um, I, I told you that I remembered that the last season I remembered in detail was season four, and this, this, um, but there were some things that were sort of familiar to me. But this serving as a series finale, um, and you know, after five seasons, you have to like make it feel like it's. I guess big enough. Mm. Um, I felt like in some aspects it were, but I think they could have turned it up a little bit as far as how crazy it could have gotten with all the like magic and stuff like that. Okay. So, so you wanted to go more over the top. Um, just because, yeah, just a little bit, just because it's, uh, a more, I mean, it was sort of the end of the world scenario, but like, you know, they, they show, they, they showed that vision of Drago, uh, like his plan to like take over the earth. If it was like a little more like that, where like it gets closer to his actual plan being, you know, in fruition. Mm-hmm. Right. These, we really only get, I don't want to say minor destruction, but like the the city they're in, I, it, I think it's San, Fr- be, San Francisco. I was going to. Yeah, I was going to say San Francisco. Um, like it gets it needs to get evacuated and it gets a bit destroyed. Um, but it's not as big a scale as it could be. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I want it to be too big a scale because. I mean, this is the last episode, so they don't really have to worry about continuity as far as like the characters have an anonymity after this. So like if somebody becomes famous for saving the world and this is the last episode, that's not going to prevent them from writing stories. True. Um, But, you know, for example, I know I mentioned Teen Titans earlier and like it it wasn't even the last uh, season, but in like the end of like the fourth season, the world basically ends and they have to like fix it. Mm. So I I don't maybe I want it to be exactly like that, but you know just maybe a little bit bigger. 
Right. Because it's it's presented as the stakes being very high, but I don't know if you necessarily get the scope you need for that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is them like fighting in a junkyard. Is this like, is this really where you want to? Sp- oh wait, no, that was the the part one. But like, it it doesn't have the grand scale always that you might want. I think they end up at like a football stadium or something. I can't remember. Baseball. Baseball. They're in a baseball. Stadium. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's a that's a really good point. Um, I I I will counterpoint though. Um, that I did think it was, it was, I, I thought it was a bit dramatic considering that this series is based off of martial arts, like at its core. And like you go from this series about a martial artist to a giant dragon destroying San Francisco is a pretty big leap. I know like even from the very beginning of the show, it's very much focused on, um, mythology and um these uh demonic figures so it's it was always going in that direction but uh it just it, it struck me as kind of uh silly or odd when jackie chan and his team are running in to the the baseball stadium to fight this giant like 70 foot tall dragon it's like what are you hoping to accomplish in here that is true i did think about like just watching like a normal martial arts movie and then thinking watching this i mean certainly some of jackie chan's movies have had more magical elements but a lot of them are usually grand grounded in reality yeah and this is definitely not but like i said the series never was but i until uh, Jackie's niece uh, Jade comes in with the the talismans to give everyone powers, I was like, "How are you going to fight that dragon? You're just gonna punch him? There's no way you're gonna beat a dragon by punching him in the stomach. Like not when he's shooting lightning and like making earthquakes. Like this is a terrible plan. I mean, it's a cartoon. They could do whatever they want. Yeah, but this is already after Section Thirteen, which is. Like the kind of Area 51 FBI men in black, men in black equivalent to the show, like shoots all the lasers they have at the dragon and it doesn't do anything. It's like, okay, so none of these lasers worked, but your fists are going to work. Okay, that's smart. That makes sense. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, (laughs) I'm just saying if we're going like rock, paper, scissors, I'm pretty sure that lasers beats fists. Like always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I know I see I still see what you mean uh, about the the scale of it or the how intense it could have got. But I mean, I guess I think, also keep in mind this is a kids' cartoon. It is, but like I don't I enjoyed this show, and I I guess this might be getting a bit ahead of myself talking about my thoughts on the show overall. Um, like, I think this is a really enjoyable show, but I think it's definitely not up to the quality of some of the other shows you mentioned. Like, um, I don't think it's, it's really in the same ballpark as Batman animated series or Teen Titans and especially not something like, um, Avatar. No, I agree. And I kind of had that feeling too. I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's fine, but I'm not like wow, watching this is really taking me back. Yeah. Like, it's it's charming, and I really appreciate some of the ways they tie in um, Chinese culture into it. I think that's really awesome. Um, I think the way that they... Um, like, I, I think for a kid show, even in the 2000s, like, there, there wasn't a lot of diversity. Um, and I know like that's something that has gradually increased over time, but this was, as far as I can remember, one of the only shows, um, at the time that featured such a, um, non-white cast or non-white characters. You know what I mean? No, you're right. Um, I mean, there were some other shows that like 
had elements of it, maybe like Captain Planet or something, but um, no, you, you are right there. This show definitely stood out, and I think a lot of that is just has to do with Jackie Chan's involvement in creating the show. Right. Like, I, I don't want to like go and give it, like, like say it's, like, groundbreaking, but I do want to give it, like, a fair bit of credit because it, it did seek to do something that most um, American TV shows for kids don't. Like, usually, I feel like um, TV networks, um, especially for kids shows, just rely on just bringing in anime and other shows that are already produced in China or in Japan or in Korea um, and just saying, okay, now this is how you get exposed to that. But for this to come from um, like an American production, I right. think um, is special. And I think that, um, you know, you learning a little bit about, I mean, obviously there are these probably artifacts, you know, it's whatever the writers probably decided was best for the story, but you know, it's more engaging, you know, for the kids to learn about culture through a cartoon than to for it to just be like an educational series or like go to Epcot or something like that. Like having like an actual story with stakes and fun characters, uh, you know, adds uh, a lot to it. Right, and even though a lot of this is you know, it's it's very um, supernatural and it's not um, based in anything, um, you know, necessarily. I'm trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to find the words I'm looking for. Um, it, it's a lot of it is, is made up just for the, the sake of the story, like you said. But it is more. More it depicts more of the culture than I would expect, um, like even something like this is how I know about um, the different um, calendar years in Chinese culture. Yeah. The Chinese Zodiac. Yeah. This, this, yeah. So this introduced me to the Chinese Zodiac and there's things like that, um, that I think are really um, important in, in their way of introducing it to, to audiences. Um, like even when um, the character uncle uses um, like these incantations to, um, seal away monsters and things like he's speaking in Cantonese. Right. Yeah. I was actually about to mention that. Uh, yeah. So that is, you know, that's important representation that I think, I mean, it's, it's a huge jump from a show like Hong Kong Fui. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, I, I guess I got a little bit off track from the no, series I mean, finale. So we were, we were talking about the world was ending. Um, they needed to stop Drago from. Well, he'd already got all his power, so I'm not. He was opening some sort of portal, I guess, to the demon world. Yeah. So he was apparently trying to get all of his his aunts and uncles out. So Drago is the son of the the main villain from the first um, few seasons of the show, uh, Shen Yu. Shen Du. Shen Du, Shen Du. Um, and so he was trying to get all of um, Shen right. Du's Didn't, didn't his aunt and uncles, weren't they in the second season? Uh, that sounds about right. It was like a they puzzle were... box and stuff like that. Me, I'm going to check on that. I, I think they were. Uh, let's see. Bum, 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 bum. Pretty sure I'm right. It, yeah, the demon sorcerers. Yeah, so in a way, this episode is sort of trying to tie into the show as a whole. And that was one of the things I wanted to mention because I really appreciated it, is that it did feel like a series finale by bringing in elements from other seasons because you have... Um, the talismans, which were the, I don't know if I call them MacGuffins, but those are the main mystical artifacts from the first season. The, right. the, the little stone talismans that had um, depictions of the Chinese Zodiac and came with their individual power. Um, so those come back in here. 
but then you also have a few of the animals that got those talisman powers from the third season. Oh yeah, they did have a few of the animals. Yeah, they had the um, the pig with laser eyes, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> or was the pig flying? No, the pig had laser eyes. I'm pretty sure. Okay, because that's the, that's that's the corresponding power. I'm pretty sure. Is it okay? See, I always thought it would be funny if the pig was flying. Oh was, yeah, because the pig flies. Yeah, um, and then you have the the little stuffed animal super moose <laughs> who has come to life to help. So I I like how they brought all of those things back, and then just reuniting um, the most memorable. Um, secondary characters from the show. So bringing back El Toro and Viper. Though they um, did kind of pop out of nowhere. They, they did. And I guess the, the moment of disbelief I had was when uh, Jackie and Agent Black, the head of Section 13, um, were both holding a bus from falling off of a broken bridge. <laughs> It's like, okay, you've got a rope tied to this bus and just there's these two men who are managing to keep it off or from falling off the ledge, even though the bus is full of people. Like, I know this is a kid, Joe, and I know that we've already said it's got demons and dragons and mystical objects, but that was a a bit too much for me to believe. That is a good point. And that didn't even like, I did not even question it when I was watching (laughs) Really? That part, that bothered me a little bit, in, is for as stupid as it is. And then El Toro and Viper come and they're able to... I, yeah, because like three more people is going to make a difference carrying a bus. Hey, when you're El Toro, like okay, you're yeah. the world's most famous mass wrestler. Um, but no, I, I thought that was fitting to have so many callbacks. And I think, maybe I'm just a sucker for callbacks, but I think that's something you need in the finale to make it seem that it's bringing everything together and not just ending the specific uh, plot for the season. Like when I want have a series finale, I want it to feel like it's wrapping up the entire series. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think particularly for an action show, that's important. I feel like you can kind of get away if it was like if this was like a comedy show, maybe you could just get away with having any sort of episode. But uh, with a show that's pretty plot heavy for a cartoon for kids, you want to have something that feels like the culmination of everything that you've seen. Yeah, because otherwise it's just another episode. So any, any other like big moments that stuck out to you from this series finale? Uh, I just, I, it, we're talking about the progression of the series. It's sort of like funny to think the like, so their big way to defeat Drago is to use the talismans. Like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually to give, the talismans to Shen Du so he can fight his son. Mm. Um, And just like thinking, like thinking back of like how in the first season, like to think they would ever come to the point where they would want to give Shen Du the talismans. Right. Because the talismans are um, the source of his powers, the source of his power, or they were originally his powers and then they were broken apart by um, chi wizards. So yeah, that is it. I mean, that's always the worst way to end a Tuesday. But it is, it, no, it is a really dramatic uh, change over the course of the series. Did you see that coming? I know neither of us really remember this episode. Uh, this I mean, series. they, in the first, if you had watched the first uh, part one, they mentioned he says he's told them to do it. But you're like, that's not going to happen. Oh, he mentioned okay, because he also he tells Uncle in the in the second part to uh, to release him. Yeah. Oh, maybe okay. Maybe he didn't do it in the first part. I can't remember. Yeah, because Uncle goes to to Shendu's statue. Right, because because Jade Jade went there earlier in the part one. Okay. Okay. Um. And I 
Honestly, I don't. I didn't remember Shindu turning back into a statue. All right. I think after so, at the end of the first season, um, he got all his talismans back. Uh, then they were able to retrieve them, and I think Jade used one of the talismans to blow him up, and he became like a spirit for the second season. Yes. Um, I think I guess he got physical form back at some point because I thought he came back. I thought he came back like the end of the third season or something. Um, and then he became a statue again. I think. Uh, you, I can't remember, so I'm gonna say yes. No, I I really don't remember part of the series that well. I I remember the well, first. I mean, the first season, season is very clear. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's it's very much, you know. A, built around those MacGuffins of you, there's these talismans. We have to get them. Okay. Each episode is dedicated to, um, a specific talisman. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty clear cut after that. It did get a little bit more, I don't want to say like more convoluted, but it, the focus of it definitely shifted. Yeah. And I think, also, the number of episodes also went up dramatically. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I was like, I didn't know this show had that many episodes. It had 95 episodes. Yeah. because the, the, I, the I thought it had, like, 50. I didn't know it had 95. Yeah, because the, the first season only had 13 episodes, but then the second had 39. So I wonder if that's just because of how successful the show was and i and i'm i don't necessarily think the I mean, show was kid, super kid, duper successful but. yeah well kid the production of kid shows is weird they're not exactly the same as um adult shows they don't even usually get anywhere close to 100 episodes mm. you know it's it's rare you know you have shows like this or like batman the animated series that got close to 100 but usually it was cutoff point for children's cartoons usually around like 50 something Right. So something like SpongeBob is very much an outlier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it, and it's, it is weird though, because every other season only had 13 episodes, but for some reason the second had so many. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, I guess, wrap up the plot they you know they are able to trick shendu and drago into fighting each other until they fall into a crevice in the earth that they close and they're sealed away yeah which was that a a satisfying way of defeating the the bad guy for you well i was sort of just like since i don't have the whole knowledge of the whole series i'm like is that believable a way of them of defeating Shendu and Drago, you know, or is it just they can do whatever magic that the writers say they can do? Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all built around what they brought themselves into because there was really nothing else they had they could do because it sounds like their original plan was just take away his powers, but for some reason, Uncle couldn't do that. So, I, I guess they kind of set it up because that crevice in the earth was already opened by Drago. So, I, I don't know if it was too easy, though. It's like, that's how I solve all my problems. I just throw them into the earth and just close them. If only it was that easy. But and yeah, and they they have a, they have that, and they have the um the sort of and they sort of they've already hinted it in previous episodes, but they uh Taru, who is Uncle's uh apprentice, is graduated to uh Chi Wizard. Mm-hmm. And it's implied that 
Jade will become an official member of Section 13. No. And hinted that Jackie and Viper may get in a relationship at some point. Yeah, there is that too. Um, um, I guess we could get into the characters a little bit. Yeah, well, but before we do that, just I, I know we, we mentioned that this is technically not the last episode. So you, you watched the last episode. Um, what What was that like? So the last episode, they're on vacation and they come across this artifact that this uh, guy who's traveling through time steals. So Jade goes into the future and it was established in a previous episode that she became a, a Section 13 agent when she was older. So she reunites with her older self and they have to get this artifact back. Okay. Um, interestingly, so I was reading the first time they had old Jade, she was voiced by Lucy Liu. Oh. But the second time she was voiced by the actress who normally did her, I guess since she got older, she her voice was, you know, different, you know, enough from adult and child that she could do both. Also, I imagine it's hard to uh, get Lucy Lou for a cartoon twice. I don't know. I mean, it's not that many lines. <laughs> I don't know, but she's a, she's a big actress for, for this kind of show. That's true. I mean, I mean, obviously Jackie Chan's is attached, but other than that, I, I wouldn't expect a lot of big names going into it. Right. I mean, I guess you don't consider Clancy Brown to be a big name. No, he's... He's an American institution. He's He does a Unless lot. Unless he's Canadian. I think he's American. Clancy Brown is very busy. Um, he, he managed to put... Um, to find work in a lot of different areas, especially in voice acting. So I... He would probably be the most famous voice actor in this, other than Lucy Liu. Oh, yeah, as a regular, definitely the most famous. Yeah. Uh, um, although, actually, I, I forgot to mention that Drago was voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah, I just saw that, too. So Michael Rosenbaum, who was probably most famously Lex Luthor in Smallville and also voiced The Flash in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited uh, cartoons. Yeah, so that... That's another big get, um, but I, I don't, I, I don't want to, to put down Clancy Brown, but um, I do think that sounds like an interesting way to, to end the series. But I, once again, it's, it's strange because it's not really a series ending. It's just right, kind of yeah, and the reason episode. why it it could have worked as a finale, but it doesn't because they kind of mentioned that. Taru is still in training. So that's the thing that throws off the, chron the chronology. Oh, yeah. okay. But that's yeah. like the only thing. Okay. So otherwise, it's not like they make any mention to Drago or anything. That wouldn't make sense. No, it, it would otherwise work pretty well. Okay. Well, for, for our purposes, we'll take the internet's word and say that the series finale is actually the penultimate episode, even though that on face value doesn't make much sense. Uh, but Aaron, you wanted to go into um, the characters. I know we already mentioned um, a good amount of them. Uh, do you have a favorite of the supporting characters or a, just any of the characters in general? Um, I mean, I like most of the characters. Um, I think that, the Jackie Chan character does a pretty good job of capturing the, I don't want to say bumbling, because bumbling's not the right word, but sort of, I don't know, reluctant hero. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. There, there's something about him that it does sort of capture... Jackie Chan, you know, having, uh, you know, he's always kind of in a jam. He has to f fight his way out of it. 
He always does it in really creative ways. Right. He's um, got a clumsiness to him. Yeah, clums, uh, sort of a graceful clumsiness. Right. Which is very much in line with um, some of the martial arts and stunts that Jackie Chan, the actor, is known for. Right. Um, I also watched the first episode, and uh, when he's... Uh, he, there's there's a part where he fights the bad guys in like a like a jungle gym where like he he like rolls over a car and starts fighting with the windshield wipers it's just like that is like that is like the essence of Jackie Chan right there mm-hmm. so i think um yeah i mean I, he's not I don't know, he doesn't have that much of a personality, but as far as his physicality, he's a good, you know, representation of the actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a bit overshadowed by some of the other characters in terms of personality. One thing I do remember a lot about the, the show and do appreciate about Jackie Chan, the character, um, is that he has a lot of different catchphrases. Oh, yeah. Bad day being the most. Yeah. Bad days, a really good one. Um, and just looking at a few of them there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll bring it back later. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's crazy, Jade. You're crazy. <laughs> so just things like that. And this, that was the other, or just overall, I think this series had a lot of good catchphrases for its characters, which is a silly, not a silly, but a, a minor thing to praise, but something that I find endearing. Right, you have Uncle saying one more thing a lot. Yes. And then you have the the character um, El Toro always being like, you you can't take off my mask. Uh, and like, El Toro never removes his mask. Yeah, like those those small little returning lines are very endearing for me. Uh, and maybe that goes back to something like Pokemon where you have Team Rocket always having to do their stupid introduction. So I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. Um, and the one other character that has things like that, that I forgot about, um, but I really found him endearing in this or really, really enjoyed his presence in the, in the uh, series finale was, Oh, I can't find him. Where is he? He was the, the bad guy who... Oh, there we go. Hakfu. Um, the, the bad guy with the, the spiked red hair and the... You know what I'm talking about? The one with the white suit? No, 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 no. The, the, like, the really big guy, his hair is, like, super long. Oh, and, he became and... Taru's, like, replacement. Did he? Wait, Hakfu, he's... Was he, like, the one... He's really tall. He has red hair. Mm-hmm. I think I know who you talk about. Okay. Because whenever he is fighting or whenever he does anything, he has to shout a random phrase. Oh, yeah. He's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's some sort of martial arts thing. Right. Just and it reminds me of those um, anime where a character always has to yell the name of their attack before they do it. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. Even though, even when he, uh, how was it? He was picking up rubble because, um, Drago's, uh, henchman destroyed section 13. And he was saying something like, like hungry gopher, like dig or something. <laughs> it's like, it's like so stupid, but I was just, uh, it, I was a sucker for it. Just, I, maybe I'm just easily amused by those kind of things. Um, I have a question for you. Um, so do you, uh, one character that I think could easily get on people's nerves is Jade. Did she get on your nerves at all? Or did you like her? Uh, she's sort of like the stereotypical, like kid who always wants to get in the middle of the action. Right. Um, I could definitely see her getting on people's nerves, but I, I liked her. Um, I think she was, had that good amount of rambunctiousness. 
um, that made her fun. And she had a lot of attitude, which is also good. She had like the leather jacket on, the shades and stuff like that. Yeah. I think because she and, and you know, there was a good, there seriously. was a good. I, I really like that they paired her with Teru because the size difference is so great. Yeah, yeah, that is really good uh, pairing. And I, I don't know, I, I didn't find her annoying. I, I could understand why someone would, but for me, she's also part of the. Um, I think she's really a a stand-in for the audience um and that you know what would it be like if you got to hang out with this world famous um martial artist even though in this jackie chan is not uh an actor but that kind of devotion and wanting to be by him it it it's it it makes her a really likable character in my opinion do you agree or were you on the other side of that no i agree i found myself mostly enjoying her um and i get like i like i said i think uh, this the finale was good progression to you know we know in the future she becomes part of section 13 so uh yeah i think that was good um any other characters that you were like any that you really uh remembered liking or just going around this time can we talk yourself? about the moose <laughs> okay, we can talk about the moves if you want. Well, it's just I forgot. So the, one of the talismans, I am not sure which one it is. I think it's the rat. It, it brings is. inanimate objects to life. Um, so there's this moose doll. It's like dressed up as a superhero who they give. They put the talisman on it and it can. Can it fly or it just. It can fight. Uh. I think the, the moose can fly. Yeah. Um, and it just has all these wonderful catchphrases like antler action and stuff like that. <laughs> and I guess there's not really much to say, but it just, since I've totally forgot about it, it was so kind of wonderfully jarring to see. <laughs> <laughs> just having this little, especially super- since it's like, this is the end of the world scenario. Better get the moose. <laughs> right and that's what i think is very charming about jade is that she doesn't know what to do and but she's going to try her best and so she brings a reinforcement of all the talismans but then also a rooster a pig and a talking stuffed moose like that is the level of desperation you need when the world's about to end yeah um so I, I know I mentioned a little bit um, I uh, of Jackie Chan's like actual work um, in, in movies. I, I neither of us have seen a lot of his movies. I I only recently saw Police Story, which I highly recommend. Um, we've maybe seen uh, a couple of his other. Uh, american movies i mean mo- mm. most of his american movies aren't that good um yeah so, so, like the like rush hour and maybe like shanghai noon are ones that people like but um that's that's most of them is like the tuxedo and the medallion which we did see um they're just not as good as his his work when he was in hong kong um but i know at the same time i really appreciate this series for being uh, our really our first exposure to that um, that world of martial arts. Well, I mean, you could say Power Rangers was too, but you know, actual you know martial arts, not just you know a bunch of kids trying to. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah. Um, though I will say that watching. I think that there there is a lot of, you know, I think the animation is pretty good in this uh, show, but there is a little, you know, when you actually see it in a live action, it's all that more impressive. Mm-hmm. Because with the, 
you know, character animation can basically do anything. Right. But to see Jackie Chan, the actor, but the see the things that he like, was like hanging off like the end of a bus or like, like fighting with like a coat rack and stuff like, it's just like things. Um, usually using the environment a lot. Right. And I know you mentioned before that, um, Jackie Chan's, um, like sense of physical comedy is very much based off of Buster Keaton, right? Yeah. While also infusing it with his martial arts. So it's, I don't know. Jackie Chan is, once again, not, not someone that I've seen as much work of his that I like to, other than the few um, American films that he did. And unfortunately, those are not as, like you said, as good as his other work. Um, but he just seems like such a wonderful person and so talented um, to do so many remarkable stunts and, um, you know, just have this really charismatic personality. Uh, I, I don't know. Jackie Chan just feels like someone you would love to meet. Right. Um, that reminds me. So I think you mentioned earlier that they had these, uh, little Q and a questions mm. for him, uh, for Jack. They usually did at the end of episodes. Um, the one for the finale was like ridiculous. <laughs> if he'd ever worked with a crocodile, if he'd ever worked with a crocodile, and he's just <laughs> like, he was just, he was just like, nope, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he like listed all the other weird animals he's worked with. He's was like, like I've worked uh, with a rhino, but never, never a crocodile. <laughs> that was so random. Yeah, because like Maybe when since I then. When, when I watched the first. Uh, the first one is they asked him why he wanted to make the cartoon. He just talked about how much he liked cartoons and how you can do like anything in cartoons. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just when you get the 95 episodes, you start asking people if they've ever worked with a crocodile. Yeah. After asking someone 90 plus questions, you kind of run out of things to ask. Yeah. Um, so but, did um, watching watching I, I know like it didn't give you that too much of a sense of nostalgia that maybe watching power rangers did but mm -hmm. like did it make you sort of nostalgic for the days of uh saturday morning cartoons oh uh, yeah i would say so i think that even though this isn't one of those shows that i would put in like my Mount Rushmore of uh, children's cartoons or, or shows that I look back on um, fondly with nostalgia. Just the the general feel of it, um, did you evoke that sense of, oh yeah, waking up on a Saturday morning, you know, eating breakfast on the couch and, and watching just whatever was Watch, on. Watching. It's WB or whatever. Yeah, and... Um... One thing that I, I mentioned before we started that I want to talk about is really there isn't there's plenty, I guess, of kids entertainment out there. But as far as Saturday morning cartoons, they've mostly gone by the wayside. There might be a channel that still does it. But um, the, the big one being the kids WB, which then turned to the CW. I don't think they do it anymore. Uh, Fox was did so many things. Um, I think like all of them now do like educational programming. Mm. And that just feels like a shame to me because like not that I don't think the education is important. I mean, it is, but, you know, that's what we send kids to school for. And, you know, I don't know. It's just it, it takes away sort of the fun of the weekend. Right. It, I mean, I guess kids now can just go and watch whatever series on Netflix. Um, but like, again, because it's it, it, it's not on a like a schedule the same way as uh, Saturday morning cartoons. I, I guess there's there's not that sense of community where you can go. And you watch the cartoon on Saturday and then Monday you talk about it with your friends at school. Yeah. Um, actually, it just I 
just briefly Googled um, Saturday morning cartoons. And once this is Wikipedia, so always take this a grain of salt. Um, but they have a few explanations for why Saturday morning cartoons went out of. Well, I think uh, one of the, the big reasons is because up until the 80s, um, there weren't networks like Disney Channel and Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. They just played these cartoons on regular channels. But then you started having dedicated kids channels. Yes, and that is one of the points that they list. Um, the rise of Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network. Um, because they kind of took over the cartoon game. Uh, the others that they include, which some of these I'm a little too, eh, don't really necessarily believe. Um, it says that video games becoming bigger may have played a factor. I don't know if I buy that. Um, and then home video. So having more uh, VHS, but then also the internet, which I would concede is a bigger one. The one that is most interesting to me is something that you mentioned um, is the rise in more educational cartoons or educational programs. Apparently, that was something that the FCC um, mandated in the 90s. Right. But it, it used to be that they would have those shows, but usually they weren't on until like 11 or noon. Yeah, well, apparently they the FCC made it so that um, broadcast networks would need to run at least three hours a week of like educational informational children's programs. So they kind of, I, I think that more than anything may have been a, a huge blow to Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, with child psychologists, I can't say, you know, maybe, you know, in the long run, it is better for them to have all this, you know, educational stuff, but I don't know how many kids actually watch it. Um, I mean, I don't think it makes a difference in the sense that, but like I said before, the landscape of television has changed so much, even just talking about those channels that, um, were dedicated kids programming. But now we have stuff like Netflix, which is sort of like the, the ultimate evolution of, that home video, uh, I guess, part of. Yeah. Well, even thinking about television overall, like television watching habits for many age groups have changed, but especially if you look at um, younger kids, most, I, you know, I work with um, kids um, because I'm a therapist and I, hear so many kids that I work with uh, watching their tablet rather than watching TV. And they're on YouTube um, much more than they would be sitting in front of the TV watching a specific channel. Right, because, I mean, uh, I would hope that the things that they're watching on YouTube are age appropriate. But, you know, uh... it, you know, I... It's because I was raised on it. I'm much more trusting of, you know, dedicated, you know, children's programming. But, you know, that's a that's a decision of the parents. And I can't, you know, uh, tell them what to do. Yeah. And maybe we're just going back to that nostalgia. We're just uh, feeling old and jaded and want the uh, the good old days of Saturday morning cartoons. to We be watch. Uh, one Saturday morning and Fox Kids and uh, the Kids WB. Yeah. Was there any, did you think, do we have a preference for any of them? We kind of bounced around. I think as we got older, when we were younger, I think in like the 90s, we definitely preferred Fox Kids um, because I think I think they played Power Rangers on Saturdays usually. So even though it was technically not a cartoon. It could okay. be wrong. I don't, I don't know. I, um, we, I, I also think remember we, waking think, up early and watching Pokemon, but that was on weekdays. Yeah, that was on. I think we mostly favored a kid WB um, out of those three. 
But we definitely watched both all of them. Right. There, there's at the time there was not a lack of shows to watch. Yes. If there yeah. wasn't something you wanted to watch, you could just ch- change the channel to one of those other two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's something when I always watch um, kids, I don't want to get too off topic, but watching kids programs or just TV in general just makes me think like how people come up with programming blocks and stuff like that. You know, I feel like the kids WB was pretty varied, but like, you know, I guess, you know, the people know certain sort of shows do well next to each other. Um, I mean, that's was why we had like tsunami for cartoon network and stuff like that, you know, but again, like, because everything is so on demand now, I feel like, I guess that's not as important. Right. Because previously it was a very intentional choice to line up certain shows because you could keep people watching for longer and then you could have them watch more advertisements. Right. And I mean, that, that still is not going away. I in my, my office, like they'll have Cartoon Network and Disney Channel on constantly. And there will always be um, a new advertisement for a new toy. I'm like, that won't work. Kids are smarter than that. And then I hear a kid say, Mom, I want that. It's like, dang, it still works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you know, like like I said, you know, I do. I do have an appreciation for just like the old like block programming, but that's probably just nostalgia speaking, though. It could just be my interest in TV since, you know, that was what I studied. Yeah. And, um, you know. For better or worse, I don't see this kind of programming block coming back. I think the closest thing you would get would be how things are um, designed in different streaming services or different websites. Um, yeah, a lot of them so, have like kid sections now. Exactly. So like you, you might have like. Um, or does, even, H- like, does HBO now have its own kids section? Oh, I think it does. I haven't really explored that side of it, so I don't know. Uh, Our HBO but, uh, Max, HBO. There's too many HBO things. Oh, don't don't even get me started on that. Uh, but yeah, I think it has some, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, but then if you look at something like uh, Disney Plus, where it breaks it down by specific, um, like what tent it falls under, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars or Pixar. And then even within that, it goes into like, is this about um, princesses? Is this about um, heroes? This is about oh, really? Animals. Okay, I, I I haven't gone on Disney Plus recently, but that I I think that's cool. I, I there, um, kids still have the. It's not necessarily that there aren't things out there for kids. Still, it's just it's it's changed. Yeah. And I'm sure if we had uh, editor-in-chief Bill on here, he could tell us all about it. He was, right. uh, he was bringing up a, a show the other day that sounded kind of interesting about uh, blue healer dogs from Australia called Bluey. That just sounds like complete nonsense what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not making it up. Uh, but no, it's... I know he loves DuckTales, the the new one and the old one. Yeah. So, no. Just, I, I think our own nostalgia should not get in the way of, you know, there's still plenty of quality programs out there. Just the way that people are consuming them has changed. Mm-hmm. So, any other thoughts on Jackie Chan Adventures before we wrap this up? Uh, I don't think so. It's just... Um... Is there, if we're talking about the powers of all the talismans, is there one that you would favor more than any of the others? Uh, that's a good question. I need to look at them again. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Hmm. You don't think about it too hard. 
<laughs> I well, I just couldn't remember what they were. Um, probably Levitation, the the rooster. I don't know. Did you have one in mind? Well, I mean, I think like the most practical would obviously be immortality, but you know, that's sort of boring. Um, you know, I think the most interesting is the uh, heat vision. It's definitely the flashiest of them all. Yeah. Yeah, and then I don't know. I'm confused because combustion and heat vision are two different ones. Yeah. That's weird. Oh, well. um, no, that was a good question. It, and there was one last thing I want to ask you kind of, while, while we're on the subject of. Uh, there was one more you know, thing. How, yeah, one more thing. That that was not an intentional callback. But do you think that there could be a show like this now? or And if so, who would you want it to be about? Like a show where they, they take a specific actor and they base it around him or, or her if they wanted to do an actress, um, but like a fictionalized version of him in a cartoon form. Like, do you think that could work now? And if so, who do you think they should do? I think it could work, but I just don't have any clue who I would pick. Mm. Yeah, I, because I think it, it really has to stem from, the the name recognition of the actor or actress and, and I, I think jackie chan was just perfect for this but right and that's the thing i can't think of anyone who really fills that same role as jackie chan it's like there's a bunch of people who were in marvel movies but i don't know if they would want to watch a show about them they're more attached to them as a character than them as an actor right Right. And I think you're, you're watching a Captain America movie, not, you know, a Chris Evans movie. Yeah. And no, I, I guess that's. I guess that's true, because I, I honestly can't think of anyone like any of the the actors that come to mind. Um, like kids might recognize them, but I don't know if they've got the same level of I feel recognition like and charisma. Maybe not a movie star, maybe an athlete or something like that. Oh, an athlete could work. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Like if you had like a LeBron James show, like that could work. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Didn't think about that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that'll be the, uh, the next spinoff from this, from this universe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, overall, I think Jackie Chan adventures is definitely a, a, a project of its time. And, I don't know. It might be a while before we see something like it ever again, if ever. So a bit of an obscure pick from, from us, but uh, I know I enjoy talking about that. So thank you for indulging me on this one, Aaron. Oh, no, totally. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So um, Aaron, as we wrap up, uh, how about you tell everyone what you are writing for the site and where they can find you? Uh, so I'm still going through the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I should have my well, I don't know when this podcast is going to go up relative to when that's going to go up, but I'm, I was in the process of writing my latest review. So that'll be up at some point um, and still have like five more episodes before the show ends. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully they give a satisfying conclusion um, talking about series finales. Yeah. And then you plan on um, doing a bit more on that once it does get to the series finale. So I don't want to spoil that too much, but I know there's some things in the works for that. Yep. And you can find me at yep. Aaron Sarnicki um, on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Um, and then for me, uh, theoretically, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Sarnicki, as long as I've not been taken over by uh, Bitcoin people. Uh, little reference to when we're recording this, if you're watching the news, um, but I'm not verified, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, and the latest things I've got going for the site, um, I should have a, another couch potato column coming out soon. I'm not entirely sure what the timeline is on that. Um, and then I've just done a ton of podcasts. It feels like over the last few months, um, we just did one on inception with Bill the other day, which was a lot of fun. And that just got posted. Um, we did our power Rangers podcast and then, 
Um, I did my monthly um, chat with Bill and Alex on TV this month. So all things you can check out um, either on thepopbreak.com, on our original uh, podcast feed, and also on our new one, the uh, TV break, I think. I'm going to look it up again. The Pop Break TV. Pop Break TV. Yeah, okay. I'm going to get that name originally or eventually if Alex doesn't kill me first. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was, once again, our talk for the 15th anniversary of the finale of Jackie Chan Adventures. As always, um, thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you soon. Yep, and I hope you don't have a bad day. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.